You're listening to the On the NBA Beat Podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Bryant to shot. LeBron James with no regard for human life. Jordan. And now, your hosts, Lauren Lee Chen and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. This is Aaron. Welcome to On the NBA Beat. Thanks for tuning in again or finding us for the first time. Today's episode seeks to cover just about everything you were wondering about last season's absolute biggest surprise, the Memphis Grizzlies. This time, It'll just be me in a conversation with NBA Twitter personality and Grizzlies fan Molly Morrison. If you're unfamiliar with Molly, she has a fantastic backstory. She got her start on basketball Twitter and in NBA commentary too by running an anonymous Grizzlies account called Made in Memphis. In fact, she was a middle school girl who'd go on to expand her pages following by the thousands to become the most followed Grizzlies fan account on the site. Six years later, when she chose to finally reveal her identity, many were surprised to learn that she was not a much older individual and one without a Y chromosome. A funny related nugget. As a teenager at summer camp, Molly wasn't allowed to have her phone with her. So, for a month out of every year for a while, her dad volunteered to step in and run the Made in Memphis account. Molly loved her dad's willingness to keep the popular account afloat, but she jokes that it would always lose some followers after he'd been tweeting for weeks and that she'd have to earn them back upon her return to civilization. But back to the task at hand. For good reason, Molly is quite excited about the Grizzlies franchise trajectory on the heels of a second seed and a Western Conference semifinals appearance in which they fell to the eventual champion Warriors in six games. But... She also offers much-needed perspective on what would or wouldn't be considered a letdown 22-23 season for them. This conversation was recorded on Sunday afternoon, a day before Memphis' second straight loss in Utah, a game in which Desmond Bain sat due to an ankle injury. Without further ado, enjoy my wide-ranging Grizzlies interview with Molly Morrison. Molly Morrison, it's great to have you on the podcast finally. How's it going? Good, good. I'm excited to be here. Me as well. We have an exciting team to discuss, the Memphis Grizzlies. They're up and coming, but they're already there, you could argue, the second seed last season and took the Warriors to six games in the Western Conference semifinals. I'm going to start with a topic I feel like you're going to enjoy discussing. That's Ja Morant. He's taken another sizable leap this season. You tweeted recently, along with a clip of one of his more impressive chase down blocks, we are lucky to be alive to witness Ja Morant play basketball. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Basically, this first question is designed to let you marvel at his basketball brilliance. Yes, But um, I'm also curious your thoughts on his tendency to attack the basket with reckless abandon, if that's just something that we should just get used to seeing from him throughout the rest of his career, or would he be wise to water down that part of his game just to uh, just not get injured so often, have more durability, 
Um, or maybe he's not even capable of doing that. I don't know. I mean, John Morant obviously is just the pivotal reason as to why the Grizzlies, you're sitting here saying they're not even an up and coming team. They're kind of already there. And I think that is so true. And so much of that does have to do with Jaws' ability to attack the basket. Um, along, of course, with his other skill set, the block I posted, his incredible court vision, the way he is able to create for his teammates and just all the areas he's willing and working to improve in like shooting, even defensively. I mean, this guy, just some of the things he does, I truly believe that I am excited to watch every single Grizzlies game in the regular season, which is not something I could always say because there will be some sort of highlight that just doesn't look like something a natural person would do. So in terms of your question, I'm like just sitting here. Um, honestly, no. I will say his game is going to change a little bit alongside the entire Grizzlies team in terms of Coach Taylor Jenkins has made it a point of emphasis to say we're not going to shoot from the mid-range as much. So I feel like if anything, it's going to cause him to attack the basket more as well as shoot more from the outside. So no, I don't see it being a problem. It's what he's great at. Uh I would like, of course, for him to add more passing to that, which he will do. But yeah. I hate asking people to rank players and teams. It's so subjective and it depends on really what the criteria is. But could you argue at this point in time that he's a top five NBA player or even higher? Oh, don't make me do that. Um, you don't have to. That's really headline-y. I will it's, say it's that. It's not very I- nuanced of a question. <laughs> Yeah. And I think my biggest problem with that question is because there's so many factors. Like, could I sit here and say he is one of the most important players on a team right now, which aka, you know, MVP? Yes, I think he will be in the MVP conversation this season. And I don't think that's invalid. But to sit here and be like the best player, there is so much to that. There's so many factors. There's guys who have been doing this for a very long time that have been dealing with injuries who I'm like, am I going to sit here and say Jaw is better than them? Maybe he's better at this current second. So I hate ranking. I know that's kind of lame. Um, no, it's okay. But, that's a, it's a true journalist answer, really. I mean, yeah, but but I I just do I do think he will be an MVP, an option yeah. for MVP. I really think he has a legitimate shot to win. So if that says anything, yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's so context dependent, um, and it's really hard to compare players on different teams and in different situations. And I don't want to get too excited five games into the season, but it's ridiculous that he's shooting like 57% from three. And also, he's the type of guy who should be a good free throw shooter, but he hasn't really been. And this season, through a small sample size, but it's still like 10 attempts per game, he's already in the high 80s. So he's really improving his shot, as you alluded to. Yeah, I I mean, that's a great stat to point out. Honestly, I hadn't really been paying attention to that, even though that's something I've complained about in the past. Of course, he needed to work on. But hey, I guess the fact that I haven't noticed means he's been hitting him more. Um, And yeah, that's huge. Little things like that, because that's the guy that is going to have the ball in his hands in the last few minutes of the game. You know, so free throws are just so, so unbelievably important. But I, I'm sure there were countless hours spent in the gym where he's just shooting free throws on a loop so wasn't really worried that he wouldn't improve but it's definitely good that he has and more broadly speaking the Grizzlies offense as a whole has been elite even without jaw on Saturday night they shot almost 57 percent from the floor they actually lost but they did 
Their offense is elite, though. Dylan yeah. Brooks has missed games. We haven't seen any of Jaron Jackson Jr. Zaire Williams is out. Last season, they ranked fourth in offensive efficiency. And um, so far, they're top in the league. What has the offense humming so effortlessly again this season? Yeah, I mean, it's two words, Desmond Bain. This guy (laughs) is truly an offensive wizard. He came into the season struggling a little bit in the preseason and first couple games um, from three. But, of course, no one's worried because that's just natural for any shooter. You see Steph Curry have his ruts. You see Clay have his ruts. But, I mean, he's been scoring. He's scored 30 or above in the last three games. So that just shows that Desmond Bain is only going to keep getting scarier, be as scary as he's been. His, his impact on the offense, I mean, is as good as like anyone, him and Ja are becoming one of, honestly, one of the, one of my favorite backwards in the league, just seeing them play together and their impact on the offense. Like, I don't know if you watched that Brooklyn game recently, but they combined for like 70 something. It was incredible to watch. Um, And just other guys contributing too. you know, you have other scorers, you have Brandon Clark, you have Tyus Jones who do their thing. You have Steven Adams in the paint. You have Dylan Brooks who can put up shots and is, you know, maybe not known for a shot selection, but that's something I feel I've been a little bit more confident in than I was in the postseason last year. So yeah, the Grizzlies have some guys and they have some young guys too, who are just going to keep on taking on those offensive roles, but really the driver of the train or however you want to say it is Desmond Bain and John Morant and they, their impact is just huge. I didn't see the game, but I saw that box score and Desmond Bain hit eight of 11 from deep. Mm -hmm. And as you referenced, he, struggled the first three games of the season but yeah of course no one was worried we know how polished of a player he is after four years at tcu so he came into the league already pretty developed but what's scary is that he seems to be getting better each and every year last year i was shocked that he doubled his points per game average and managed to increase his efficiency usually you expect efficiency to to decline a little bit at least and hopefully not a lot i'm curious though do you expect his ability to distribute the ball to also continue to improve i know it's a small sample size but he's now averaging five per game already yeah i do i mean i think desmond's gonna keep improving in every avenue he's a guy like the grizzlies staff and management whatever they've done so well like bringing in these players and developing these players. I have no doubt that Desmond is going to continue improving in different aspects. You know, he has the ball in his hands a fair amount. He can pass. His defense is obviously probably the biggest reason people were so hesitant. They are his arms, his wingspan (laughs) to draft him. But no, I don't think those things are going to be a huge problem, especially when you're willing to work twice as hard. And you ask about, the success in the Grizzlies offense this season. And you mentioned the volume. I mean, I think that's a huge thing. They've been shooting better on just a higher volume, which is extremely hard to do to shoot more threes and shoot a higher percentage of threes. And the whole team has done that. And that really goes back to what I mentioned earlier with coach Taylor Jenkins realizing, okay, guys, our defense is going to struggle. We don't have Jaron Jackson Jr. Right now. We traded away two great defensive players and, Melton and Anderson, we need to stop shooting as many mid-range shots. We need to either attack the basket or shoot from deep. And I think you've really seen that pay off with the Grizzlies offense this season. 
That was a really good segue because the defense, to put it frankly, is just terrible so far. They rank first, as I said, in offensive efficiency, but they're 28th in defensive rating. Only the Nets and the Pistons are worse in that category. You mentioned, of course, Darren Jackson Jr. He was a first-team all-defensive player last year, finished fifth in defensive player of the year voting, and that was well-deserved. So it makes sense that they're going to, to take a hit defensively. But to what extent can they actually start showing some defensive resistance while they wait for him to return? Yeah, I mean, I think that really has a few different contributing factors. You're not going to get what you get in Jaron Jackson, who not only is such a great one-on-one defender, but the way you can switch onto other defenders is just so beneficial for the team. And there aren't, he's one of really the best guys in the league to do that. So it's a huge loss not having him, but really there you just again you have to require I know it's it's like it kind of kills me to say because I'm such like a defense person but not only are you relying on offensive efficiency because there's no secret that your defense isn't going to be able to be as um, dominant and you know you mentioned Jaron but also getting rid of Anderson and Mellon I mean those guys were huge on transition defense so that was a tough loss, but you just have to look at guys to step up into those roles. You have to look at guys like Santi to become better defensively, which I think he's shown that he is doing. Um, guys like Ja and Desmond, who aren't necessarily people that are ever going to be elite defensive players, but really just them continuing their defense as well. And just seeing everyone try to do that, seeing what the new rookies can do, um, you know, LaRavia, he looked pretty good in the game the other day when he got more time with Conchar being out, but really just looking at other guys to step up. Obviously, I didn't, I don't mention Dylan there, but Dylan is the best Grizzlies defender um, behind Jaron Jackson. So he's not played every game this season. That's definitely caused the Grizzlies defense to struggle. He is a huge defensive threat. I mean, he's usually going to guard the opponent's best scorer, and he does a great job at that. So, Yeah, I mean, relying on offense, as lame as that might sound, relying on Dylan to be that defender, and then remembering these extra guys, but also Zaire Williams, um, who was also injured. You know, the Grizzlies have a lot of injuries, illnesses right now. They haven't really had a full, healthy team yet this season. So I feel like they're doing the right thing right now, and the defense is just going to keep getting better. It's not going to get worse. It was supposed to start off rusty, but I'm not so worried about that right now, honestly. That's fair. And I think if they can rank somewhere around 20th instead of 28th, given yeah. how they just are a lights out offense, they'll be fine. Right. Um, so on a related note, though, how high do you believe this Grizzlies team's ceiling is once JJJ is back and fully healthy? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think why not? Why can't they be, you know, a top four or five seed like they were last season? I think that's the ceiling for them with JJJ healthy. I I can get off on a tangent. I don't know if this is even the time, but like this team, if you remember when John Morant came onto this team, he led them. It was his first season was bubble season. So he led them to the play-in. They didn't make the playoffs next season. They win the play-in against the Warriors. They win two play-in games first against the Spurs, then the Warriors. And they go to the first round where they are the eighth seed playing a really, really dominant Utah Jazz team. And they win a game and then, you know, lose the rest, but it's promising. 
next season, they go to the second round and play the Warriors where they battle them until I'm not sitting here saying jaw getting hurt's the reason they lost, but jaw got hurt. The Warriors won the series and the rest was that. So I am excited. I don't think there's any reason to doubt that the Grizzlies can improve and can continue on that trajectory with the same stars, the same players, and just other guys continuing to step up. I feel like four or five seed is reasonable. That was a really good time to bring that up. Not a tangent at all. But before we go back to that a little bit more, I just want to finish up on Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, so the GM, Zach Kleiman, said this summer that he wasn't really that concerned about the latest injury. It's a, a stress fracture in the right foot. But I think it should be a little bit concerning that he's had three lower limb injuries and just this is now going to be his fifth pro season. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, I'm just wondering if they're just isolated incidents that aren't connected or if it should be a thing where you're worried about the cumulative effect of all these lower limb injuries. What is your take on that? And should we take the GM's comments this summer with a grain of salt, given that Jaron Jackson Jr. is his guy on his team? Or do you think that that they're fair, what what he said? I can read a quote if you want. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. I think I have a good idea of it. Um, My thing is, I'll I'll sit here and be honest, two two thick topics that I am not in, by any means an expert on or are injuries and like cap space money yeah, stuff. Yeah. Not a doctor. I should have got I'm that out of the way. I'm not. I know you aren't either. <laughs> but I will say this. I mean, a general manager, that's their job. They're going to say we're not worried, of course. Um, as a Grizzlies fan, we're not. I don't think the fan base is in a position where they're saying get rid of him. He's a bust. That's not true at all. I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a wonderful basketball player from – the times he is healthy, he has shown an ability to just do such unicorn-like wonderful things. He has so many different skill sets that are so important in this league. Um, obviously, last season, his scoring you know, took a plunge, but that's something that could easily return. And when it did that, his defense became better than ever. So we want Jaron. Jaron is such a key player of this Grizzlies team. And I just feel like it's the kind of thing where I hate to be like, oh, one more and maybe let's have that conversation, but just see what's happening. I mean, this injury doesn't seem to be horrible, but at the same time, I don't ever really trust what people say about injuries because it seems like they just never really give the full picture. Um, all I know is that I'm really confident in a healthy Jaron Jackson Jr. And obviously just hoping he can stay healthy because you mentioned this is going to be his fifth year. Doesn't feel like that. It feels like, Ja Morant has been here, you know, longer than he has because we've seen Ja play more. Um, not really when you look at it overall, but just in the recent years. So, yeah, obviously it's weird to think about how Jaron played on a team with Marcus Gasol, um, but I'm excited for him and I don't think it's time to like panic yet. Yeah, we'll have to monitor it because obviously when he suits up and plays, he is just really, really good. And he's such a complete player and so dominant defensively. And you touched on team expectations, but if you could touch a little bit more on that, just on what would be considered 
a disappointment if they they didn't reach a certain level in in the regular season or postseason, given the heights that they were able to reach last year and and just the positive trajectory that we've been seeing since Jaw and Taylor Jenkins got to town. Yeah, sure. I mean, when a team overachieves so intensely, last season they had the second best record in the entire league. That is unbelievable. Yeah, that's a good point. They were way ahead of schedule. Exactly. At least so, according to most perspectives. So it's reasonable to say, okay, so they get a, you know, six seed, seven seed play in, and that that's disappointing, right? But it's not. I mean, it's not disappointing. That team completely overachieved, and it is amazing that they did. But in the window they have, they don't have to. They're in a spot where they're building the right way. You know, they're not trying to bring in these free agents um, and getting rid of their promising young guys. They are really, really dedicated to creating this roster with these young guys. I mean, literally in the offseason, they traded away Melton and Anderson because – they want guys with these young contracts, you know, they want to build up this team together. They're that confident that they can do that with rookies and just player development, the front office. So I feel like a lot of people now have this, you know, they think of the Grizzlies, they think of the Warriors like, Oh, but, but really I don't think a play in game is disappointing. Obviously you hope it's higher than that, but this is a team that, you know, made some changes in the offseason. This is a team that's led by guys who are very, very young. Um, and it's a team that has a lot of rookies who are going to take up big minutes. Um, and a lot of younger guys who are going to take up big minutes. They're still figuring things out with lineups. I think not making the playoffs is where it's concerning and disappointing. But other than that, the team's doing exactly what it's it's supposed to be doing. They're doing everything right. So I don't think it would be like, panic time by any means you know you look at a team not to throw any shade but you'll look at a team like philly who's kind of like been clawing at that ring that trip to the finals for a minute now and that's when you start saying okay what do we do but guys like this young young grizzlies team that is still in the process of coming together um was the second seed in the league last season uh second best record so yeah what you said, I think, is completely reasonable, level-headed, but you know the fan base better than me. Do you think now that the fan base has gotten a little bit of a taste yeah, of it, that expectations it. <laughs> are going to just be through the roof, fair or Absolutely. not? Absolutely. I mean, that's how any fan base is going to be, right? Like, you yeah. become so invested, and it's hard. It's hard to see maybe a decline. But I can't even sit here and say that they're going to decline, for sure, at least – by a massive amount because every single season this team has defied expectations. No one expected them to make the play in the first year. No one expected them to make the playoffs the second year. No one expected them to, you know, do what they did as we've been talking about this last year. So this is a team that is continuing to defy expectations. So nothing will surprise me, but yeah, I think, I think the fan base of course wants them to because the fan base has seen what they can be when they're healthy you know they've seen what they can be when john and jaron jackson jr and desmond bain are being the guys that they can be so i don't think it's it's going to be intense but i do think there could be disappointment if the grizzlies do end up in that play-in spot so going along with that if they end up not advancing into the playoffs or not advancing past the first round it just given how talented the west is at the top 
you don't think it would really be the worst thing in the world when we factor in the young guys getting better, growing, and and just the broader vision of the front office, right? Yeah, yeah. If the season ends and you've seen Sire Williams take a huge jump, you've seen Desmond Bain and Ja not even necessarily get a ton better, but just not get worse, Uh, especially Desmond. You know, see him on the same path he's been. See Jaron healthy playing towards the end maybe, and he wasn't able to a certain point uh guys like laravia or roddy they're confident in um they're they're shooting more they're bigger parts of the rotation and i don't see it i mean it's i don't want to sit here and be like yeah it, it'll be okay if they get eliminated because then no, it's like I, okay i know yeah but yeah no no i think i think it's realistic what you're saying and and by any means we should not interpret what you're saying as you don't expect them to go deep into the playoffs they very well might and you would not be one bit surprised by that you're just contextualizing where yeah, they are yeah. and how far they've come it's not it's not a desperate hour or anything it's not not like, at all it's an I exciting mean, time yeah it's an exciting time um and jaw i mean is just the biggest part of that right like yeah this guy could be the most valuable player in the league potentially this season so what what does that mean you know like can him continue to improve his game bring the grizzlies to that next level if he's able to you know stay healthy in the playoffs so i think it's just more exciting than anything stay tuned we'll be right back with more show NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. One game that I've got my eye on is the very first game of the season, where the Celtics are a two-point favorite at home against the Philadelphia 76ers. I might pair that with the under 215 total points, which is looking like a really juicy way to start off a stepped-up same-game parlay. You can get in on that action too by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This is Keith Parrish from Fast Break Breakfast, and you're listening to On the NBA Beat. So I don't know if you saw this, but you won't be at all surprised to hear that last week the Grizzlies were ranked number one in ESPN's future power rankings, and that's the second year in a row that they've been. They're calculated by a combination of five different categories, players, management, money, market, and the draft. And for what it's worth, the Clippers and Celtics were number two and three, respectively. The Grizzlies tied for fifth in management. So I I just want to ask a little bit about their general manager, Zachary Kleiman, and maybe even if you have anything that you want to share about Tayshaun Prince, if, if you have any thoughts on his role in the front office. But Kleiman was named executive of the year last year. And for good reason, we, we've documented what an amazing year it was 
for the Grizzlies. There have been so many impactful moves. For you, what are some of the more under-the-radar moves that, that Kleiman and company made that elevated this organization so quickly? I mean, honestly, I think the best thing Kleiman has done is not overthink it. Like, he's just taken everyone jokes. This is like the biggest running joke. You know, he takes draft Twitter's favorite players every season. But it's true. He takes guys who a lot of people want to be like, wait, but but maybe this. But no, I mean, he takes those guys. I mean, let's start from the beginning, right, of really when it started to matter and change, you know, drafting Jaron. Obviously, you get the fourth pick that year. You just miss out on Luca. Jaron's the obvious pick for that. Then next season, you draft John Morant. Huge. I mean, that's luck, but you, because anyone in that position takes job. But you also get Brandon Clark, who ends up being really a steal. Then you get Bain. Bain and Tillman. Both of them end up... Tillman obviously has been a little bit out of the rotation, but he showed real flashes of a season. He looks like a season NBA player. It's not just that he looks older than he is, but he he really looks out there like he's good. Um so him and Bain, and then you look at all of that together, factor with the fact, okay, they've really killed it. How can it get better? Next season, they draft Zaire, and all the Grizzlies fans are like, wait, what? No, we don't like this. We don't see what – this is not the correct pick. Um, for the first time, I feel like people were like, okay, maybe we're a little bit skeptical, but he proves us wrong. And Zaire, despite starting off pretty shaky, looks like a real, real – NBA player and someone who could be a pivotal part of the young core. So I feel like just his consistency to keep on drafting these guys that end up being able to produce at the NBA level so quickly is just really, really impressive. And we're about to see this season. They took LaRavia, they took Roddy, they took Kenneth Lofton Jr. Later um, in the draft, they took Vince Williams. So which of these guys pan out? You know, I think it's an interesting thing to have your eyes on. Like, will either both Roddy and LaRavia or maybe one of them become another piece of the team that they are hoping will eventually win a championship. So yeah, just this consistency really and the development of these guys so that like, I mean, if Grizzlies fans who endured the freaking days of drafting, you know, Jordan Adams, no shade to any of these guys, Jarrell Martin, you remember just long, long games where they're playing garbage minutes and they're, barely you know integrated in the lineups they're being sent to the g-league team like that's was kind of the normal for grizzlies fans no the draft wasn't an exciting time for a very long time like picks it didn't seem like we're really really mattering for them um and just so quickly to shift the narrative into we don't have to have a top 10 pick to get a really exciting guy that's it's normal to you know be able to find a steal late first round or second round so it's a new world for Grizzlies fans, and I give him a ton of credit in building this team. I want to also note that he's a USC alum, just like Lauren and I. So, um, yeah, with the USC alum that left in the offseason, now we still have one in Memphis. But also just a quick follow-up, have you been able to gather any information about Tayshawn Prince's role in the front office, or is that a little more mysterious? So mysterious. Like maybe I just haven't looked into it, but I, whenever I, I just see him, you know, Lauren and I didn't even know he's been in the front office since 2017. Really? We were completely surprised. That guy is so quiet and sneaky. 
he yeah he which is kind of just like how he is as a person i feel like um no i was a big fan of tayshawn on the grizzlies obviously you know pistons he he's he's a great presence to have in the locker room i don't know why maybe that translates well into the front office just a great he's always seemed like an intelligent guy um know nothing about that really just isn't talked about much like Honestly, it's easy to forget as a Grizzlies fan, even despite yeah. seeing him like That's physically. Okay. I just thought I would ask. No, no, he's but, probably you know, doing some good stuff. No, I'm like, yeah. Now I want to. I'm gonna like look into that, and I'm gonna learn more. You should. You should look into that and get back to us. But um, by the way, DeAnthony Melton is the USC guy who I just couldn't think of his name. Um, oh yeah. But that's yeah. that's who I was referencing, by the way. But USC references aside, I want to just cite. My favorite Steven Adams or team stat actually, but Steven Adams is the main reason why I think, and also all the three point shooters on the Grizzlies. But they ranked best in the league in second chance points last year with 18.7 per game, 13% better than the next team. And only three teams, including the Grizzlies, averaged at least 15 second chance points per game. So Steven Adams led the league in offensive rebounds per game at 4.6 but also he didn't even play that many minutes so per 36 he was pulling in 6.3 offensive rebounds can you put into words his monstrous impact on the team's success and why you think he acclimated so quickly last year was just his first year on the team yeah you know that's actually a great answer to your previous question about what's maybe a more low-key move that Kleinman has made it's had a great impact when Jonas Valanciunas was genuinely at points a couple seasons ago, the Grizzlies' best player, with John Moran on the team. That was the thing that was happening, weirdly. Um, he was so good. He was having this tremendous offensive impact. But I mean, obviously, when I say that, I mean at points in games. I don't mean overall Jonas Valanciunas is not better than John Moran by any stretch. So that was a weird decision, right? You get rid of this guy who has contributed to your offense so intensely, and then you bring in Steven Adams. Okay, Clearly, they knew what they were doing. They wanted someone who didn't have to, no one had to make plays for them. You know, no one had to create plays for them. Really, Steven Adams understands his role. The way him and John Morant play together is great. Like, that's another underrated thing about the Grizzlies team. Like, the way he sets screens, you know, and John Morant can drive to the basket, like, without having to pass, without having to get past two. It's amazing. And Steven Adams just being that huge presence, obviously, you know, you're not going to rely on a guy like that to stretch the floor or whatever, but he's in there, he's in the paint, he's fighting for that rebound, and he really just doing his role in allowing other guys to take on bigger offensive roles, which is how the Grizzlies off is going to thrive more. So, you know, it was sort of a chestnut checkers move, getting rid of a guy who was such a offensive force at times but being like we don't need you to score 20 somethings per game we need you to you know help other guys do that so that's really what steven adams has been and i just i I think i appreciate a player who's not who you can tell doesn't care about like the stats the personal stats he really just he cares about getting the ball in the basket getting the ball in the hands of the right people um and he's not he doesn't play selfishly at all which is you know, you can say for a lot of the Grizzlies players, maybe there's one or two that <laughs> can't say that about, but really for the most part, it's a team that is always looking for how to help make their teammates better. And I feel like Stevens is a great example of so. His impact is huge. He's a really, really important on this team that I don't think people saw. 
I completely agree. And more than a half hour into our conversation, maybe I should have brought him up a little sooner, but Taylor Jenkins, the head coach, he's just 38 and beginning his fourth Mm -hmm. season with the Grizzlies. That's the same as I referenced earlier, amount of time that Jaw's been with the franchise. So uh, they've kind of grown together. Before that, he was an assistant with the Bucks for one season and then with Atlanta for five years prior. He was signed to a multi-year extension as a result of all that success last season. To you, where is his impact most felt? Yeah, I mean, Taylor Jenkins, when you look at a team, a young team succeeding this much, obviously you're going to also have to look at the coach because Taylor Jenkins has been a huge part of this team's success. And I really, really think you mentioning him and Jaw coming in at the same time is such an interesting way to look at it because these two guys have immense, immense respect for each other. And you could see it in the game. You can see watching them like Jaw will be... Taylor Jenkins is listening to what he has to say. You know, he'll literally be like coming up with plays and Taylor Jenkins, they'll just be talking back and forth and really coaching each other and helping each other. Above all else, of course, the team, whatever, having, I think a really underrated thing with coaches is having that relationship between the the star piece of the core and the coach, because you've seen that go wrong time and time when that respect isn't there. You know, I mean, this is so different, but I just came to mind like KD and Steve Nash. In a Grizzlies example, you can look at Fizdale and Mark Gasol. That's that was really tough when your best player doesn't like the coach, doesn't respect the coach. So I think what Taylor Jenkins has really been able to do is just gain that respect and that trust from the team, um, not just Josh specifically, but everyone, and really just build together. It's it's cool seeing a coach not you know be like my way or the highway. I feel like he's really able to listen to players and to get them in the best positions for them to be in. I don't think he's, you know, tries to hold that power above anyone. Obviously I'm not a coach, so I can't really like talk about maybe specific style, but just from an observation perspective, I really do think that fit is there and it's, it's exciting. I mean, having a coach that can like be there during success is so important. Like, cause switching coaches can really just like mess with the franchise. And I've, the Grizzlies struggled to find that coach who felt like a, a permanent addition and just bringing him in at the same time you're bringing in this new guy. It's like a clean slate and really can see him, you know, I guess the goal for someone like that is having a becoming like a Spurs type team where you just grow with them and build with them. And he obviously has that experience coaching with other teams. He's gained that respect there. So I'm really high on Taylor Jenkins. I think like any fan watching any coach, you have your moments where you're pissed, you know, he's not challenging a call that's happened time after time. Maybe you don't like the rotation, but overall I really don't have many complaints there. I feel like he's been a great addition to the team. It seems like the stability has really helped this young team just having the same voice that they're hearing from night in and night out. You talked about Santi Aldama a little earlier with regard to the defense and uh, his defensive abilities and how he's getting better on that end. He barely played last season as a rookie, just about 11 minutes per game. In the early going, he's garnering 30-plus minutes per game and doing pretty well with with the increased opportunity. In our post-draft episode, and maybe this gets to what you were saying about how Kleiman is getting um, basketball Twitter-approved picks, he got Aldama 30th overall. And our post-draft episode guest, Brian Schroeder, called it a, a sneaky good pick. 
what do the Grizzlies appear to have in him and what are his strengths and weaknesses? Just give us the lay of the land on Aldama if you can, please. With Santi, it's hard to sit here and, and tell you, oh, well, this is what the Grizzlies have with him because we're working with such a small sample size of games yeah. we have really seen him in. But I will say this, he's so young. And from the very beginning, there was no expectation that he would look like an NBA player off the bat. He didn't, actually. Um, his first opportunities were really lackluster. It was He wasn't really making shots. He wasn't doing this. But, you know, it's not like it was hopeless. You had to give it time. And then really the first real flashes of a good solid NBA player were seen this summer in summer league where he's just able to, you know, do multiple things offensively. He's able to create his own shot offensively. He's not bad defensively and just his length, obviously. I mean, that's what you're missing in Jaron. So you're hoping that he can use that and just continue to get stronger on both ends of the court. But in terms of, you know, what can he provide long-term for the Grizzlies? I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. I'm just watching him with the rest of the world. So I'm confident just in the way he has been able to already improve. Like I was pretty nervous going into the first game of the season. You know, he's up against Julius Randle, who I was like, he could kill him. Right. And he, he did a pretty good job. He, he held his own. So I'm excited for Santi. I think his game, there's so much that's been unexplored and just excited to figure that out. But I think it's a big question mark. Will he be able to be that, that player that the front office envisioned him to be. And just based off of the growth I've seen thus far, I feel good about it. I do. Unless he's has pretty stagnant, stays pretty stagnant. Like I don't see why he doesn't keep getting better and improving. Um, Molly, it's been a pleasure meeting you and talking basketball with you. I have one more question. I really do okay. appreciate this and your time. Yeah, I always love to talk hoops. Yeah, thank you for doing it. So this is kind of an open-ended question because there are a couple things we didn't get to and and we're winding down. So you can feel free to to zero in on whatever you'd like to or touch on all these. But Zaire Williams is a promising young player. He's out right now with patellar tendonitis, which can be a little bit of a concerning injury. But I'm sure given his age and just how talented the team is, that they'll take their time in getting him back on the court. And then another thing I was curious is John Conchar is finally getting solid rotation minutes this season. And I know it's a small sample size and he doesn't always take a ton of shots, but he's logging some big minutes for once. So I'm curious also how you think he's looking this season. And yeah, like I said, feel free to touch on whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Zaire earlier. I'm really excited to see. I feel like out of anyone, he's in the best position to make a huge leap this season. You saw Bain and Ja both make those leaps last season. It's hard to imagine them doing the exact same thing again this season. It's almost impossible. I mean, if Ja did, he would be like literally the MVP of the world. And if Desmond did, he'd be an all-star. So, hey, I guess we'll see. But yeah, Conchar is actually an interesting player. I completely forgot about him, but he's really just kind of like seems like a body to have in there because he's not going to be taking the most shots. He's not going to be doing the most things, but I sort of see him as like a savvy player who really just helps on both ends of the court and understands his role and is always doing the sneaky things too. Like a glue guy kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. I mean, D'Anthony Melton, it's his role is going to be elevated with Melton leaving. They do similar things to me in a lot of ways. You know, Melton was stronger defensively, but the way Conchar can fight for loose balls and his shot is getting better. He's taking 
slightly more shots. Obviously, you're never going to see him taking shots at like a crazy high volume, but he is taking more shots. He's making more shots. And just like you might look at his stats and be like, I don't know about this guy, but really I think Grizzlies fans are high on him for good reason. As much as he's not doing things to make you be like, oh my God, this guy's a star. He really doesn't do much wrong almost. So he does feel like a, a really good guy to have in this spot right now, but you never know. I mean, you could see him getting beat out by one of the rookies. So for right now, he's definitely a solid, solid piece of the lineups. But again, yeah, future time will tell. It's cool to have a team that's so deep that I sit here forgetting about players when I'm talking about the teams. I'll let you get back to the rest of your weekend. It's been a pleasure and enjoy the rest of this Grizzlies season. It's definitely going to be another fun one. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. A huge thanks to first-time guest Molly Morrison for speaking with me this past weekend. It was a pleasure. You can find her on Twitter at MollyHannahM. This episode was hosted by me, Aaron Fishman, and jointly produced by me and Lauren Luchin. And you can follow on Twitter at ByAaronFish and Lauren L. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe for more episodes by searching on the NBA beat wherever you get your podcasts. And if you feel so inclined, it would be much appreciated if you dropped us a five-star review while you're there. On the NBA Beat, it's part of the Basketball Podcast Network.